I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program. Welcome, everyone, to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Graham Palman, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening virtual reality. Record our episodes live in Altspace every week. You can join us from your PCR VR headset, log into Altspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, we have with us the founder of Biohackers VR, Alex Aziz. Biohackers' mm. mission is to bring together like-minded people to unlock the code of human potential by bridging the gap between the extreme and the mainstream and making the impossible possible. They attempt to optimize life and superhuman performance through such cutting-edge techniques as epigenetics, sensory deferation tanks, intermittent fasting, cryotherapy, and a whole bunch more. Uh, are you biocurious? If so, stick around. Ladies and gentlemen, a round of emoji love to Alex. Yay, thank you. <laughs> What's happening over there? Uh, Kush Pop Shrek 65, nice to see you. Um, so, um, so, Alex, welcome. Uh, I'm so glad you could make it today. And uh, I'm so glad to talk because I love your, I love biohacking. I love talking about it. And I practice some in my own life. So I'm really happy to have you here to just sort of geek out on all that. Stuff. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to, uh, I love just to mention where people are. So why don't you tell us uh, where you are and what time zone you're in? I'm in London. It's, uh, it's been a couple of weeks of good weather. And then the last couple of days, uh, you know, I think we hit our limit for the year of good weather in London. <laughs> it started raining again. <laughs> in LA, they call that June gloom. You, you just have uh, annual gloom, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, so it, it's pretty great. You know, I'm in I'm in Hawaii. You're in London. So we're literally on opposite ends of the globe, and here we can talk without any uh, problems. That our our audio, fingers crossed, and any delay or anything like that. So you know, I just like to acknowledge technology is so far uh, so quickly, and it, this is going to become commonplace soon, and it's going to feel normal. But it still feels a little amazing to me. So exactly uh, glad we could bring the world together like this and i don't know where kind of magic. shrek is yeah exactly uh where are you Fishbox shrek in the united states michigan united states very cool okay cool michigan. um michigan oh nice great east coast got it um very cool so um so we'll just dive right in here alex uh what uh what is the origin story of uh biohackers vr and alex how did you get into i guess First biohacking, and then how did you decide to take that into VR? Okay, so um, the, the origin story is I was doing this in Dubai. I was living in Dubai between 2011 and 2016, sorry, 2017. And around 2015, 2016, I started uh, forming the community inside in Dubai and doing meetups and events and everything. And, you know, built up a little bit of momentum, had a little tribe going on. We got into the newspaper as the biohacker uh, biohackers uae community and everything and that was awesome uh and then i left dubai and i kind of abandoned my community mm -hmm. and i had this kind of like feeling of fomo about oh you know maybe i shouldn't have done that you know it would have been great to have like stayed there nurtured the community blah 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 etc then in november 2019 got oculus uh, it took me a while to figure out that I can actually transition the community into VR and uh, have the best of kind of 
the, the best of community building, global community building uh, in, a, you know, in, the, in the virtual world. And, uh, and just have the convenience, which is, you know, like when you're organizing a real world event, it's a friggin' headache. You got to cross town, you got to go to your venue, you got to sort everything out and everything. With, with this here, you just headset on, bang, people show up. It's amazing. Absolutely. So okay. that's, the, that's the kind of origin story. It's, uh, it started off as a real world thing, and then I kind of like transitioned into, into VR. That's really interesting. So did you get the uh, Oculus Quest as a direct um, answer to the pandemic or was it before the pandemic? Way before. No, this is November, November 2019. Got it. Right, so right, right. So you're a good several months. Yeah. So you're leaving Dubai was really the impetus for you. It was like I built this community. I wish I could still be in touch with them, even though now I'm in London and I want to find a way to reach out to a lot of people. Uh, but uh, without geographically changing my location. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, kind of sh shifting from s single physical location community, virtual, uh, you know, where, wherever you might be. So, uh, you know, that's obviously you, you, you're, you're doing the same thing here. People show up and then it's like, uh, where in the world are you? Okay, all, all over the world, all, you know, random places, everyone's in the comfort of their own home and we're together, you know? Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. So, so then let's, how did you get into biohacking? How did you get interested in that? And, um, and is that just your, your hobby or is that something more that's been your career? Um, definitely, definitely uh, both. Uh, you, you've heard of the concept of uh, Ikigai. Yeah, absolutely. Japanese yeah. concept. Yeah. So like what, what the world needs, what you're good at, what you can get paid for, what you, and uh, what was the other one? Something else overlay of all of those things and in the middle is your your meaning your ikigai so for me biohacking is that it's just uh, a calling it's a hobby it's a passion it's an interest and uh, you know like if i can uh, earn my livelihood in the, in the field all the better so this uh you know the, the biohackers vr is one initiative from a whole bunch of different things that i'm doing uh towards uh you know health and wellness biohacking got it you want to mention some of the other things you're doing or are those uh top secret class yeah sure <laughs> i have uh i have some uh, some apps i have a diet app meditation app uh fasting tracker i i have uh some a vr meditation project i have a vr workout uh you know i'm co-founder of vr workout which is a vr exercise software uh some events, virtual events, community platform. You know, there's a, wow. it's a whole bunch of different things. Health supplements. I'm in the health supplement business as well. Right. So you don't, you don't biohack uh, in order to be more efficient at all because you could do all those things. But no problem, right? It sounds, like a, it sounds like biohacking is necessary for that busy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> cool. So, um, well, that sounds amazing. So at the end, we'll have to let people know where they can get in touch with you and, and see all of these amazing projects. Um, so I'm curious, mm -hmm. what was your, uh, what was your gateway into the world of biohacking? What was your first thing that you started to do uh, that really set, opened your eyes to this uh, whole sort of um, subculture? Okay. Uh, so, you know, bi biohacking, and this is the way I describe it at my events and everything. It's like a new word. It's a new word for very ancient ideas. So 
the way that you know uh, another way of talking about uh, biohacking is health and wellness like you've already said peak performance uh so you know or just self-help personal development that kind of thing so i my my journey on that path started when i read my first ever you know self-help book which was the seven happily effective people i read that in 99 mm -hmm. okay this that. is way before yeah, way before biohacking was a thing or anything, you know, but it was like, you know what, I, I was just reading this book and I was like, holy shit, I really like this. I really like, you know, living with intention and, you know, thinking about things that you never thought about, you know, the things that they never taught you in school, you know, how, how to build your character, you know, that these kinds of things. So, um, so that's when my early biohacking journey started by getting into self-help, personal development, uh, you know, finding the best thought leaders, the best literature, and just gradually over time, it was like mid two, mid mid twenty, mid twenty fourteen, thirteens or so. That's when the word biohacking started to pop up, and I was like, ah, that's uh, that's that's my angle. Got it. You no, know? totally, absolutely. Which cool. is about which ah. is mainly about, uh, for example, you know, uh, the the principles being, you know, getting the most with the least. With the least mm -hmm. effort, biggest bang mm -hmm. for your buck, minimum effective dose, you know, these kinds of uh, principles. Absolutely. So that, that just uh, resonated with me. Yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, if anyone here, Bell Pepper or uh, Lemon Tech or anyone else had any questions, uh, we will take questions at sort of the end of every section here. Um, I, I guess, so I love that first book you mentioned. Are there any other books you found really informative and you recommend to people? Yeah, for sure. R right now, uh, the State of the Art uh, is a book called Boundless by Ben Greenfield. Uh, mm. That's kind of like a, a 650 page, 38 hour audio book that just covers the whole field on a very advanced level. If you apply 10% of those ideas, it's going to change your life. You know, mm. uh, there's also uh, the, the Biohacker Handbook uh, from my friends and partners uh, in Finland, which is like a really nice coffee table book explaining all the different pillars and everything, you know, with, with graphics and everything. Uh, there's like four, three or four books by Dave Asprey. He's one of the sort of gurus of the field. He's got mm -hmm. a big podcast. Uh, but like, if I had to choose one, it would probably be boundless. Hmm. I don't know that one. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm, uh, I'll put these in the, in uh, the notes. For, yeah. I'll put these in the notes for the uh, podcast as well. So that people can uh, get a link to that. That's great. Um, nice. Yeah, cool. Um, and so I imagine that you practice a lot of this in your own life. Would you, would you like to mention which ones you, you practice on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my routine is like pretty basic. I, uh, I'm not doing any super, uh, super esoteric things, uh, but like, you know, eating well, exercising you know like uh especially lately using my my uh my exercise software my vr exercise software um meditation meditation i'm doing that in vr as well that's just how i how i want to meditate mm. uh I, I have a section inside uh in, inside oculus tv called quiet your mind meditate mm. there's a bunch of guided meditations there different scenes space nature um art you know all kinds of different cool cool little experiences and that's just how i and, and, and there's a voice guiding you so i try to do that once twice a day right right yeah it. cool 
Very cool. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's move on to the next section. Bell Pepper, you have any questions? Uh, Lemon Tech. Oh, okay, great. Cool. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I love all this stuff as well. I'm a total geek for it all, uh, and I practice a few in my own life. So I just wanted to get into um, some of the ones that I use and I find very helpful, and and then maybe have you talk about those, and then maybe we get into stuff that I'm not as familiar with. So um, okay. First, first one here is uh, intermittent fasting, which I saw that you talked quite a bit about. I personally, uh, I, I don't know. First of all, let's uh, say, do you want to explain what intermittent fasting is and uh, what benefits it has? Sure. So w when I intermittent fasting, I would start by explaining uh, a deeper principle of biohacking, which is putting your system under stress makes it stronger. Uh, so that comes into exercise. So the way that you build muscle is by doing weights, breaking down, tearing the fibers and then rebuilding stronger, uh, cryotherapy, exposing your body to cold makes it stronger sauna, exposing your body to heat makes it stronger. So fasting is stressing your system by starving it of food, of energy. And that makes it stronger. So, uh, you know, uh, that's one, one type of, you know, starvation, which makes you stronger. You can also do the same thing with oxygen, uh, which is pretty interesting, you know, like slowing down your breathing and putting yourself into like a hypoxic state. And that there like makes you stronger, makes you, makes your, your, your metabolism stronger and everything. So that's how I'd start by introducing fasting. Um, it puts you kind of in this, like, um, so fight or flight response where, you know, if you have, if you think back, uh, 10, 20, 50,000 years, you're, you're in the jungle, you haven't eaten for a few days. Uh, you know, it's like sink or swim, survive the fittest kind of thing. So your, your body goes into this kind of like overdrive of like, okay, now I need to high, have higher performance. I need to make sure I catch some food. So I, so I live, so I pass on my genetic material. So, uh, that's a little bit of background. Um, it's, like I, I personally love it. It was, uh, I, I used to have to force myself to eat breakfast in the morning, mm. uh, because like, Oh, it's the most important meal of the day, but I just don't like eating when I wake up. So I used to mm. force myself to eat because it's the most important meal. Then I, you know, thankfully discovered that yes, it is the most important meal, but it doesn't matter when you have it. So I was like, ah, I can just procrastinate on my first meal as long as I want. Mm -hmm. and uh that's just how 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 i want to eat so like uh, i, I want to you know per, per, per delay my first meal as long as i can eat it and then have my last meal as early as possible and uh that's how that's my sort of my, my fasting protocol other people um might want to eat when they wake up and then have their first their, their, their last meal as early as possible as well what type are you? Yeah, so um, so again, so intermittent fast. Just for those who are, aren't aware, is, is sort of a, a you have an eating window during the day, and the rest is fasting. So, so oftentimes it would be like a sixteen-eight window where you you fast for sixteen hours and you eat for eight hours. So mine's a, a little extreme, I guess. I I prefer morning time and uh, breakfast and lunch. So I eat from basically like 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. So I've actually got it or maybe 10. maybe 10. So, um, uh, so yeah, so I've got like a five hour window. So it's quite uh, narrow. Um, 
I do that for, uh, and then I, you know, the funny thing is, okay, so the first couple days you try that, it, 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 I sort of started to get, um, you know, uh, hunger, headaches, and it was really difficult. First day was the most difficult. Second day is half as much difficult. And after that, once you get into the rhythm of it, it's it's like life changing. Like I just think it's so uh, incredible. I actually almost have no trouble uh, anymore uh, not eating beyond that. And then this is how I this is how I manage it in my own life. On the weekend, so I do this for five days a week. On the weekends, I have no holds barred. I can do whatever i want right so i can have like a quart of ice cream i could eat like pizza three times a day like i could do whatever i want and i find that as long as i uh, return to that schedule for five days a week it, it, my system is in great balance and um, my my weight is in check my health is in check and i i, I just love that there's all these other benefits like anti-aging anti-cancer benefits uh, it helps uh, rejuvenate cells and rejuvenate, uh, create more white blood cells and all of these different things. So it has all of these incredible effects. And um, it takes a little bit of discipline to get into it. But once you do and you're on cruise control, I just think it's uh, incredible. Have you tried like uh, 24 hour or uh, longer fasts? Yeah, so I have tried longer fasts. The, I, I have not... Uh, gotten f very far along that path for the reason that I'm also I, I'm very busy during the day and I find that it's it becomes so distracting for me my mind kind of shuts down <laughs> and I, 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 I can't concentrate as long and so it, for me it's not time efficient so I have I found that this is what works best for me but I do know people who go on longer fasting retreats and things like that and I would love to do that sometime in the future but I haven't yet. Yeah so so uh, the, the the fasting retreats is like for me the the extreme end but building in the protocol for uh if you could do one hours a week that's a pretty awesome uh, protocol and then once a month do a 3 day fast that's uh that would be something to aim towards you know like I I end up hitting the 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 the, the more than one day around uh around about uh, once every couple of months, let's say. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go for more than one day, mm. Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I love uh, Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter and Square, and he does intermittent fasting quite extreme. So he'll do what I do, which is he'll have a very small window throughout the week. But then on the weekends, he fasts entirely. So it's like where I yeah. big out on the weekends, he does the opposite direction where he doubles down on the weekends, which is like, wow, this is there's some really intense people out there. Yeah, he's, he's definitely going for that, like ascetic monk kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Um, cool. So Levitech or Bell Pepper, uh, Mandex, the dev, anyone else out there, if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to uh, let me know. Otherwise, I'll, I'll keep moving along here. Um, so meditation is another one that I practice regularly and I'm a huge proponent of. I feel like it changed my life um, when I got into meditation. So how, what are the, do you meditate? You, you mentioned that you do. Um, how often do you do it, and uh, what are the benefits you find for meditation? Um, so I, I do it daily. It's definitely one of the most uh, important habits you can build, along with eating well, exercising, meditation. Those would be the kind of like three uh, three pillars of uh, a good life, let's say. Uh, the practice that I prefer is, is mindfulness meditation, which is uh, there's, there's two main types of meditation: focus meditation where you put your attention onto an, an object of focus, which might be a mantra 
or it might be a candle or it might be just something that you're just focusing on. It, also your breath, that becomes an object of focus. Mindfulness, so that's a type one, focus meditation. Mindfulness meditation is more about just like letting go of your um, uh, consciousness, of your awareness, and then just paying attention to what comes in and how the thought comes in and how and what happens when you let it go. And it's building that kind of like really precise awareness over the, the inner workings of your mind and your consciousness and your awareness. Uh, so you can practice that uh, just by sitting there and just paying attention, or, or you can do it via guided, uh, guided practice, uh, by get, kind of getting coached, which is kind of like getting coached in how to be mindful, uh, which is main, uh, you know, voice, um, a, a voice guide where it's like, you know, lots of space. And then every now and then, you know, the voice comes in, it's like, and as you notice your mind getting lost in thought, let it go come back to the breath, you know, da, 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 da. So that's, uh, that's my, perhaps for example, yeah. Waking up, uh, Sam Harris, uh, that would be my, mm -hmm. my, my preferred, uh, app. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's my favorite, uh, mindfulness guru, I'd say. He's great. Love him. Yeah. yeah. And so what are, what, um, what are the benefits that you find from meditating? Um, improved control over your, consciousness over your mood uh you you find yourself getting frustrated less uh you know that feeling when something annoying happens and you just the uh, hormones just well up and you kind of like uh, get pissed off uh mindfulness practice reduces that it's kind of like gives you a bit more buffer space in between things happening in life and uh, your reaction to them uh and also, the fact that you can access that like state of like no ego anytime, which is uh, which most many people don't actually realize, you know, they, 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 there's this whole myth that you need to do 30, 40 years of meditation practice to achieve enlightenment. If you figure it out, it's not about that. There's actually a kind of like shortcut to like to no ego, which you can access anytime, which, you know, it could be just like a red traffic light and you just drop into a state of like, pure, you know, awareness and, uh, being present. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, you know, I think, uh, Sam Harris would talk about it, that when you get to the, the deeper level, you're, 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 you, uh, you free yourself from the ego traps that people get caught in day to day. It's like you're in the trenches all the time, but meditation lets you sort of rise above the trench and look down on the trench and say, Oh yeah, look at that little ego trap I'm in. Look at that little, um, roadblock i've got emotionally with this person it's no big deal just let it just like look at it from a different perspective and let it go right uh nice. i i find that it's it, when i first started getting, it was such a simple tool um but it's so effective in that you can look at people around you and say wow that person there has been in that power struggle for years for years you could get trapped for years, decades, even. Uh, and all you need to do is, is if you went on, if you started meditating for a week or two or, or three weeks, that person would be able to change that pattern just by sitting down. I do it 15 minutes a day. Just by sitting down for 15 minutes a day and silencing your mind, is, is, it's, it's miraculous that something as simple as that can change the dynamics in your life that have been there for years or decades. It's really, really, nice. I, I find it wild. And it's again, like you said, it's like an age old, 
secret that's been around for thousands of years. Everyone can breathe, so everyone can focus just on their breath, you know, um, and it doesn't require money. It doesn't require training. Uh, it just requires sitting and being quiet for a while. And the fact that that can change your life is is really, really miraculous. Yeah, agreed. Oh, okay. So now we get into some of the more uh, esoteric stuff, perhaps. So epigenetics, I'm really, I love this topic. I'm very fascinated in it. Um, what, um, what would you say uh, is epigenetics? And again, what uh, value does it have? Um, so the, the field of epigenetics, so uh, to, to give a bit of background on the field of biohacking, uh, you can consider it like a spectrum from uh you know ancient ideas like meditation yoga exercise eating well all the way towards transhumanism implants crispr genetic modification everything like that uh and so i'm i'm you know like i'm i'm heading towards that but i'm not a super hurry and i you know like uh, if you ask me what are the most important things i'll always start with the fundamentals the, the foundations the pillars over here okay so epigenetics is somewhere in the middle which is basically you know a, a new area of research that's showing that uh, these kinds of lifestyle changes not only you know make you stronger and give you more energy and everything like that but they also affect your genetic expression uh you know which uh, is for your own genes and for your 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 offspring your descendants uh so you know like uh it's it's pretty it's pretty powerful it's pretty interesting that you know these kinds of like uh, making the right kind of decision can actually end up having an effect on your genetic makeup um so that's that would be a, a description of what epigenetics is and it's really uh you know like in terms of practicalities uh it's, well i guess it would start with like going and getting your genetics tested seeing what your kind of uh you know risk factors or you know like kind of uh considerations are what you should be concerned about in your metabolism like how, how do you metabolize uh you know different kinds of uh nutrients and everything like that and then uh you know making interventions which will work towards you know improving those solving those uh, etc yeah yeah absolutely i so i i love um i love this topic because it's it, they, i think that it's like they found that like uh, originally like they were like well how you know how does a, a past generation affect a, a future generation they found that like so there was like a potato famine in poland in like the 1870s or something and if someone was pregnant after that period then their child would be able to have more longevity. So it's like by a person living through a famine, which is, I guess, intermittent fasting in a way, right? It strengthened their body, but in a way, it also mutated their genetics. And so they passed that gene onto their offspring, which was if there happens to be a famine, you will be able to uh, live through that easier. And so then that, and then you, what happens is, is, so I have half of my family is originally from Poland, and it would be like, well, my, that whole side of the family lived to be 99, 102. My grandpa right now is uh, almost at his 103rd birthday. And it's like, wow, I wonder if this is because of a famine that happened three generations ago, they are able to just survive so much. So it's really wild. And then the other, and then to bring it to like a more modern day example, it's like, uh, if for example, you know, here's a negative example. If for example, you smoke today, 
you could be mutating your genes so that your child might have a bit greater chance of asthma. And it's like, wow, you know, one generation away can affect the next level. And I almost yeah. feel like, I almost feel like that's like an example of uh, what the Hindus would call karma, right? It's like, you, <laughs> what you, your actions today are, it's like, you're not being reborn technically, but you are being reborn through your offspring. And that offspring will either benefit or suffer from the choices that you make. And so, so in a way, it's a karmic um, result you know nice um yeah nice nice way to look at it yeah really interesting Uh, stuff that kind of gets into uh you know like uh blending the ancient wisdom with the modern wisdom and there's a lot of ancient uh you know uh, a lot of ancient wisdom there in in, inside principles like karma which is basically you know make the right decisions and they'll come back and, uh, you know, uh, benefit you. And if you don't make the right decisions, they'll come back and hurt you. They gave that word karma, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, how's it going? LFM and, uh, lemon tech and anyone else, anyone have it? If you have any questions, uh, before we move on, let me know. Well, um, I, so as far as epigenetics, I, I have had my genetics, my genes tested, um, I haven't gone to the level where, where what is my metabolism, uh, what are the benefits and all that. So I've just had a general genetic test, um, her, uh, sort of one was a heritage test to find out where your ancestors are from. And one was a test uh, to find out if there's any proclivity to diseases and things like that. So I think it's really fascinating. My, you know, my grandparents have done it. My parents have done it. So I can see three generations now of like, oh, this is where this was passed down from. And this is how this came to be into me. And I, th- I find it very interesting. I think that's slightly different, probably from ep- epigenetics. It's more gen- genetic, straight genetics, but um, True. all that stuff I really, really love. All right. So the last one I really wanted to mention uh, was talk about was this psychedelic. So we're getting into the the esoteric stuff now in in um, Denver, Colorado and in L.A., um, you know, um, first of all, marijuana was made legal and now psychedelic mushrooms, uh, psilocybin are being made legal uh, in, in Colorado. They already are. Um, and uh, there seems to be a big wave uh, that this is almost the next frontier is becoming mainstream adopted um do you want to talk a little bit about that sure and and that's one of the main um areas of discussion in my meetups people love uh the the psychedelics uh uh, conversation uh most people when when i ask the room like hands up who's dabbling most people have dabbled, if not are, are dabbling. So like, uh, yeah, may, maybe there's a selection bias in the VR community, but uh, there's definitely a, a renaissance happening right now, uh, mostly spearheaded by MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, who's been at the forefront for like 30, 30 40 years now, of like trying to get that, those laws changed because they really stopped a lot of like healing and a lot of innovation, and a lot of, um, you know, helping people by they, what happened with the war on drugs and, uh, you know, the, the, the counter blow to the, to the psychedelic movement or to the hippie movement, you know? So finally that's, uh, beyond, you know, like becoming a thing of the past, lots of money going into uh, research, uh, you know, these kinds of like, um, Double blind, uh, placebo controlled, uh, randomized clinical clinical studies are friggin' expensive, and you know, like they're just 
finally coming out like the 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 one from uh a couple of weeks ago like it was in the new york times was like the mdma research finally it's like the solves tsd in like three sessions proven you know where whereas these people have like uh you know have been suffering you know they're, they're what do you call it uh you know completely depressed and does mm-hmm. Take it out of normal normal life through you know by, by being exposed to things in, in in war zones and whatnot. Three sessions with MDMA uh, is just like uh, you know like a game changer on you know compared to years of therapy. So you think think about the and the kind of uh, healing and and you know costs of time, money, etc. versus healing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I guess for MDMA, they they say it has a great effect on PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder. If you were traumatized in some way in a war, on a battlefield, or in your family, or growing up, and again, this I guess instead of meditation, which is a more calming, you're you're changing your mental neural neural pathways. This is changing your chemical neural pathways. So it sort of jolts your chemicals. If your chemicals are almost like running through your your bloodstream in a certain um, riverbed. This allows you to find new estuaries that sh- that shift off from that riverbed, and suddenly you can change the the chemical makeup of the mind. So that's a it's a real shortcut. But the thing that I find so interesting is that there can be a long lasting effect. It's not just a temporary effect. Um, exactly. I'm sure you have to work with therapists to keep those neural pathways open or those chemical pathways open. But um, the fact that it can be long lasting is really interesting. And then of course, yeah, and then yes. of course psychedelics. You know, as far as um, and things so you know i've got you know we talked about sam harris he's a huge proponent of this where he talks about it's, it's almost it's not even so i guess he would say chemically you're you're putting your brain into a completely altered state where you're t- tapping into a, a whole other layer of consciousness and you're going into the cosmic mind and it gets really really interesting and abstract uh when you go on uh some kind of a trip and you know i um i would say that i've been with people that uh, have had very profound uh, effects and changes to the way they think about the world. It's like they see, it's like, it's like meditation on steroids. Like they see the big picture, the cosmic picture um, in, in Technicolor 3D. Um, I, I was with somebody once whose father had just died. And not just died, I would say died six months before or something like that. And they were on uh, psilocybin for, you know, five hours or whatever it is and after that trip they were like i've now come to terms with my father's death and it's like that is a really profound uh transformation and healing that is happening and that was i lasted so that didn't just occur in that one moment it was like they saw something from a bigger grander cosmic perspective that put everything into some kind of order in their emotional life and they were able to move on from this very uh, dramatic thing that had happened in their life. So I, there is definitely something there um, that we don't probably quite yet understand because it's been so e- illegalized and, and demonized for so long that we haven't done the proper studies. And finally, now they're doing the proper studies to understand like what is actually happening uh, in the brain chemistry, what is actually um, occurring when someone goes on a psychedelic trip. Yeah, so so that there is the the whole like therapeutic side of the psychedelic renaissance. Then, in terms of like biohacking, uh, 
the main applications about uh, psychedelics for, for biohacking are more about uh, peak performance, flow states, and creativity, problem solving, having a different view on a problem, or like uh, maybe also group group flow, uh, having a kind of like a re really deep, powerful experience with your colleagues. Uh, that's, that's, that's a different kind of side of the side of the game. You know, that's uh, away from like the healing and the trauma and all of that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, these can be used as tools to kind of like, um, you know, adjust the levers and dials in, in your consciousness for an objective, for an outcome that you're trying to work towards. So that would be more like microdosing, things like that, where you take just a very, very small sliver and that opens up just a... Just 10% more creativity during your day and you can see things outside the box and stuff like that. Is that sort of what you're yeah, Correct. referring to? Correct. Right. So like on, on the microdosing side, and then when you wanna when you wanna like do a you know more more intense kind of workshop or something, you can up the dose. It doesn't have to be a microdose. Uh you know, also team building with with MDMA, like MDMA is an empathogen, it helps you see things from the other person's point of view. So you can do like conflict resolution and kind of uh different kinds of like uh, hu human connection, uh, you know, exercises with your colleagues. Right. Yeah, interesting. I mean, because then, then there's also less risk of a bad trip, as they say, right? So, it, it, you know, if you are just microdosing, you're not going to potentially go into a bad trip because there is there are risks here and there are it's not a, it's a very powerful tool from what I understand. And um, and so you, it, it can turn negative if you're not careful, if you're not in the right environment, if you're not, if you're not understanding what's happening. Um, you know, it, another sort of life hacker, I guess, would be uh, Tim Ferriss, who talks about he went and did ayahuasca in, um, in Peru and had this like mind melting bad trip where he was just like uh, convulsing for hours upon hours. And he was, he called it an ego death where his entire ego just shed from his body. So it's not always you know, it's like proceed with caution and uh, educate before you dive into these things and or microdose and and just take a, just a little bit to get a, a just a window washing of the soul i guess you'd say nice so are those are those are the ones that i uh, am, have been curious about and have learned are there any others that you uh are, are fascinated with or are just getting into or we didn't mention that you think are worth mentioning i'm really intrigued by Neuralink. Mm. Yeah uh and you know learning how we'll be able to start playing with that technology uh so neuralink is one of elon musk's uh brainchilds which is basically uh, implanting a, a little bluetooth uh receiver in your head 1000 1000 filaments going into different neurons so it's like a direct line into your brain and again, the first use is going to be, you know, helping people to like uh, walk who couldn't walk or whatever, you know, kind of like uh, severe, severe injuries and that kind of thing. But the same things can be used for normal people. And uh, that's that's going to be an exciting uh, frontier for biohacking. So yeah, you're talking about really becoming cyborg, right? Like we're, you're talking about merging with machines and optimizing our human potential by being augmented basically yeah well the, the 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 kind of conventional wisdom now is that we are cyborgs because you will you won't go anywhere without people having their phone like it has become part Absolutely. of you 
yep. you know so the the, in, the the just the interface is just like your 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 visual auditory field and then that that's the that's the input you know um pathway and then the 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 output pathway is like through the keyboard where you're typing uh so this here is going to have a you know high bandwidth uh way of uh, uh you know um going in, in that direction as well absolutely yeah my so one of my favorite books um that really led me on this entire path was uh ray kurzweil's the uh age of the spiritual machine it was, yeah, yeah i, I love that book yeah and and he talks about you know it's like so computers started as the size of a block then they went down to the personal computer and that changed the way we uh get information then it went into a smaller into our hand and we could carry it around in our pocket and just think how much the world has changed since the smartphone came around then it's going to get smaller and go into our eyes in glasses and it'll become augmented reality then it's going to get even smaller and go into our brains, which is what you're talking about with Neuralink. And that's going to start merging us with our machines. But if you look at the trends in history, it's that technology gets smaller and smaller and becomes more and more embedded uh, and, and more of a, a direct link to uh, how we experience the world. And, you know, this is a controversial topic for some people. Uh, I <laughs> so my wife would be like, are you insane? That sounds like the most crazy thing ever. There's no way on earth I'm putting something in my brain. And I'm kind of like, yeah, but this is when you just imagine what, how you will be expanded. Like, just imagine if you, you know, had the internet at, uh, in your mind, like you could think and your, your mind didn't have to rely on memory. It could rely on what Google uh, search would be able to provide you like you would just be a superhuman. So I'm like, the, I'm like signing up already. Are you kidding? I'm going to be the first. <laughs> Sorry, wife. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'll be. Yeah. Um, nice. So yeah, that, that for sure is the next frontier that, you know, probably over the next 20 years, it'll become more 30 years, maybe become more mainstream. But it's interesting because Ray Kurzweil talks about the singularity at the year 2045. And sort of artificial intelligence becomes so uh, aware that it wakes up. Um, this might be in that period where if we're going to exactly. compete or live in symbiosis with this super powered AI that we've constructed and is now taking a life of its own. We're going to need to like keep up and we may need to be merging with that AI in order to not become defunct or extinct or whatever. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, Nailed it. Um, so yeah, great. Any other any other uh, technology or techniques uh, that you are fascinated with? Um, yeah, so Neuralink would be one um, potential for genetic modification. CRISPR uh, mm -hmm. that would be another one. Mm -hmm. Both of these things, I'm not like super in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I won't be patient one thousand of anything, but like you know, maybe mm -hmm. patient ten thousand. After you know they've like polished it off and like uh, you know the the planes aren't crashing anymore or whatever, I I, I uh, I'll, I'll I'll be a you know not super early adopter, but you know like before major before majority. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, CRISPR is another really wild one where you know they were like, oh, this is. I had a I have a doctor friend who I was talking to CRISPR about. He's like, oh yeah, this is. This is not this is you know none of that technology will happen in our lifetime. I'm like, um, I think it already exists. And he's like, oh no, that can't be. I sent him some articles on CRISPR, and he was just like, what? <laughs> like I thought this, this was is the problem with doctors. Off. This is the problem with doctors, mate. They, they don't know what's going on. Like, uh, <laughs> right? You know, it's a little bit crazy, huh? Yeah. 
Uh, so CRISPR, for anyone out there who doesn't know, is the technology where they can change, they can go in, they can embed a, they can snip out, well, I should say they have a chemical receptor that can, they can inject into you. It can go into your gene. It can snip out a portion of your gene, which you don't want and imprint plant a piece of a gene that you do want. And it does this automatically. And then it proliferates through your, your blood and your, your cells. So like hope is that it will be able to recognize and snip out cancer cells and replace that with something that is non-cancerous or a disease that is passed down hereditarily. It will be able to snip that out. And so they're already doing experiments. Or, or you can just glow in the dark. Right. Yeah. Or you can have <laughs> eagle vision or you can, you know, uh, or you can have superhuman strength or you can not age. Right. So I yeah, always yeah, yeah. have this discussion uh, with my, with my, my mom and, and I'm like, you know, they say that Anton LaVey, I think is his name. Is that there's a guy who's an anti-ageist. He's saying that, it's, it's possible that the person who the first person on earth to live to be 500 years old is already they just were born so because in if you think about technology of anti-aging from our perspective it looks impossible but if you think 10 years from now it'll be that much better and then 10 years from that it'll exponentially be better than that and then 10 so so let's say that a person is born today and their life expectancy is 80 well 80 years from now the technology will be so mind-blowing, we can't even comprehend it. And so who's to say that in 80 years, they don't have something that can long create a more long life that lasts for another 200 years? Um, yeah, that, that, that principle is called uh, longevity escape velocity. Mm. By being able to live, by, by, by surviving an extra year, you will be able to extend your life by more than one year. So like yeah. the, 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 there is a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom, which is saying we've already made it right now, right. especially for like our, our generation. I'm, I'm 40, you know, but late, but late, but uh, looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially at avatar form, looking very good. No wrinkles at all. Uh, <laughs> very nice. Thank you. Um, well, I think that's, I think that's uh, a, a, a great place uh, to sort of, sort of, it sort of encapsulates everything because what is the goal of, of everything, but to get the most uh, of all of biohacking, to get the most out of life, to get the most out of every moment, and then to also increase the moments that you have by living longer. Right. And so I think uh, that sort of ties it all uh, perfectly together into a nutshell. And the hope is that we can find uh, immortality in a certain way and, and explore the, the universe. Explore the universe, absolutely. If it's going to be the innerverse or the outerverse, who knows? Um, uh, yeah, maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah. Um, very cool. So, all right. Well, um, where uh, where can people um, get in touch with you, and and uh, how can they be a part of your community? Um, the, the best way is uh, if if you had that uh, that promo video. There's there's a there's a URL there that promo image. Uh, mak.so slash vr that's the that's the vr biohackers community uh inside the g general biohacker community which is a, a thing that i run uh and that would be the my the the, the place that i'd uh, recommend people to go to especially if they're into vr if, if they're not into vr they can join up as well and kind of like have access to the, the general biohacking uh you know kind of like topics categories and everything conversations etc okay so yeah i will uh post 
that um, that uh, slide, and I'll post all of these slides on Twitter, Simulation VR, and I'll post it on Instagram at the Simulation Nation. So anyone who is listening to this on the podcast, please go there, and you can see all of the slides. I'll also put it in the show notes, and also we're going to have this on YouTube. Uh, we uh, so if you are uh, wanting to uh, see this visually. And take a look at uh, Alex's uh, avatar, his life ageless avatar here. Please check out our YouTube channel, The Simulation <laughs> Nation, as well. Um, okay, great. So, um, yeah, please do reach out because I feel like we just touched the surface here. And this is almost just like a primer for all the stuff that you do. So, I hope that people uh, do a little bit of a deeper dive and, and learn about all your uh, a deeper vibe. Nice. <laughs> deeper vibe <laughs> exactly <laughs> well it was awesome. it was really awesome having you here um i'm glad you could make it and um and yeah so so thank you for teleporting into this world cast of simulation nation whether you're with us thank in you. virtual reality or 2d or listening to the podcast a week from now on spotify or itunes and remember to subscribe to our instagram at the simulation nation Twitter at SimNationVR, Facebook and YouTube. And join us next time for our review of the book about a metaphysical game that preceded Ready Player One by a few decades. Uh, it is the second book in the culture series called The Player of Games by Ian Banks. Till then, stay plugged, my friends.